Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our senior pastor, Pastor Omar Lopez, from our Allegiance series in a message he's called, Don't Be Ashamed of the Gospel. If you haven't, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Follow us at PC Paramount and also check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. It has tons of resources and constantly being updated with new information. Enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Well, we appreciate your giving. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for those that are online and uh, looking forward uh, to just minister this message. I believe the Lord uh, has an appointed time. How many believe that? And so I'm going to do it anyway. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. And I honestly believe that today as I minister this message, it is an appointed time. And uh, I really have uh, enjoyed myself and uh, enjoyed doing this series. Maybe you have, I don't know, but I have. And uh, in studying uh, this whole uh, series about Daniel, and as I've dived into this message, I've learned a lot about Daniel that I didn't even realize as we started this message. And uh, we're on this series called Allegiance. And Allegiance is your commitment or your loyalty to someone, someplace, uh, or uh, basically a group. And we know that our allegiance, we have an allegiance to our family. We have an allegiance to the job that you work at. Uh, you have an allegiance to your husband or wife if you're married. Uh, we have a degree of allegiance. You also have a degree of allegiance to the country that you live in, the community, the city that you have. But our greatest allegiance needs to be to Jesus. I said our greatest allegiance is to Jesus. And the life of Daniel shows us in the midst of an evil culture, if you recall, he's in this Babylonian culture. He's been taken as a slave at a young age of 15 years old, and he is serving there as an administrator. God uses Daniel in such a powerful way, and yet in the midst of that, he keeps his allegiance to God. Even though his beliefs are different than the culture, even though his beliefs are different than society, most of it, everybody there in Babylon is, is serving idols, and he's not going to do that. He keeps his integrity. And in the midst of all that, God continues to promote him. And so I want to bring out a great message here today that I believe all of us need to hear is never be ashamed of God. Hallelujah. Never be ashamed. And so that's the title of our message today as we talk about allegiance is never being ashamed because it's easy to give in to the pressure. It's easy to give in to what everybody else is doing. And so we're going to pick up the story here in the book of Daniel chapter 6 and we're going to move ahead in the timeline. We're not going to be able to follow the chronological order of Daniel's life. Uh, but we're going to jump ahead forward now that he's older, and he's about 82 years old now. We'll go back to some other times as well. We're going to talk about some other things in his early life, but I felt that today we were going to jump ahead a little bit on the chronological order of his life, but I believe it'll help us as we focus on Daniel, and Daniel has gone through several tests. I've been talking about his test. His faith has been tested. His integrity has been tested. His character has been tested. His humility has been tested. And he's gone through two different empires of Babylon. And he's now in Persia.
Persia or the Persian Empire. Persia has taken over, and Daniel has been able to keep his integrity throughout all of these administrations. In fact, when a new administration comes, you may already know that when a new administration comes or a new king is, in, is installed, they get rid of the old administration. But Daniel just keeps getting rehired. You want to hire a guy like that. There's something about him that's very unique, and every single emperor or king notices it and keeps rehiring him and keeps promoting him. And there's a story in the book of uh, Daniel chapter 5, the previous chapter, before we go into Daniel chapter 6, and this is his previous uh, uh, boss by the name of Darius the Mede. That's his name, Darius the Mede. And this guy, is evil and in fact he decides to get all the the tooth or all the uh, utensils from the temple of God that, that they have in his temple and they begin to drink out of it and while they're drinking and having a good old time they're having a big old party there's a human hand begins to write on the wall could you imagine that this is not a movie this is real stuff human hand starts writing on the wall and nobody can interpret it and finally, they called Daniel and said, can you interpret what this dream means or what this, this, uh, these words on the wall mean? And in Daniel chapter 5, verse 26, it says, uh, this is what the words mean. Uh, mene or meaning means God has numbered the days of your ring and brought it to an end. He goes, basically, your days are numbered. Uh, Tekel means you have been weighed on the scale and found, and found wanting. And Paris means, or Paris means your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. In other words, your days are, are numbered, buddy. You've not honored God. And therefore, they, your righteousness or your integrity has been weighed and you've been found wanting. And that very night, uh, this king uh, is uh, by the name of Belshazzar is killed and Darius the Mede takes over the kingdom. Just exactly as Daniel had prophesied or said was going to happen, it happened. And this guy Darius uh, takes over the kingdom, he's a Persian, and again he promotes uh, Daniel. In fact, he, he tells Daniel that basically he wants him to be the top guy. He wants him to be above everybody else, second to him. That's a pretty big promotion. And he's around 82 years old when all of this has happened. Now, now he, keeps, keep, he keeps getting promoted, yet his beliefs are opposite the culture. They're opposite to what everybody else believes. And yet God keep, keeps raising him up and he keeps outlasting everyone else. And there's something unique about Daniel that all of us need to focus on, that he was never ashamed of God in public. And I want to say to everybody here, don't be ashamed of what you believe in. Don't be ashamed to share your beliefs. Don't be ashamed to stand for God in public because Daniel was not. Even though he didn't believe what everybody else believed, even though he was not flowing with society, God kept promoting him, God's hand kept being on, on him, but he was never ashamed of what he believed. So I'm going to pray today as we dive into this message. So Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your grace. We thank you, God, that you are 
you are so good to us and open our hearts and our minds to receive the word of God and help us, Lord, to receive everything you have. Help us to learn, God. Help us to grow. Help us, God, to continue, Lord, to develop in our walk with you. And, Lord, let us not be diverted by the things of this world or diverted by the culture of what society is saying to us. But, God, help us to stand boldly publicly in our faith today i pray today god that you'll minister to every person that's in this room that you would uh, anoint every word that i speak uh, and that the people of god would hear the voice behind the voice in jesus name and everyone said so a couple of things about daniel that i want to bring out number one is daniel was filled with wisdom and understanding. The reason why he was able to stand out in his faith, even publicly, was he had wisdom and understanding. In other words, uh, he was a student of the Word of God. He was a student of culture. He was a student. Uh, and all leaders, if you're going to be a leader, you need to be a learner. The moment you stop learning, uh, you stop leading. I said, the moment you stop learning, you stop leading. The moment that you stop learning, you begin to die. All of us need to be open to learn something. We need to be open to grow and to develop. You don't know everything. You may think you know everything, but you don't. He was a student of God's word. He was a student of history. He got wiser and wiser as he got older. There is no end to learning. There is no end to growing wiser. You know, there are many careers that people get into, and there's a peak, and then that's it. I was, I was looking. I, many of you may not know this, but in, in high school, I was in gymnastics, believe it or not. I know I may not look like it now, but I was. Uh, and uh, I wasn't the best gymnast, but I was on a pretty good team, and I, I competed. Probably could have did better had I did, dedicated myself a little bit more. Uh, but anyway, I learned something about uh, uh, um, male gymnasts. They peak at around 25 or 27 years old. So by the time you get that age, any, any time beyond that, you're, you're not going to get any better, and you need to start retiring around 25, 26 years old. Uh, for girls, it's even worse. They peak at 17 years old. So basically, they're their best between 12 and 15 years old. And so the girls, because girls develop faster than men, you guys probably already know this, uh, men develop later, and so they say that girls uh, basically peak at that age. An NFL player, they say his peak age is around 28 or 29 years old. Uh, most uh, uh, football players, uh, their career is only five or six years, or four to five years uh, 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 NFL player. But yet, this man by the name of Daniel, he lives to be 85 years old. And at 82, he keeps getting promoted. Could you imagine? He didn't believe in retirement. I said he didn't believe in retirement. He didn't say, I'm going to retire, I'm going to refire, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get better. And so he's growing and growing, and uh, he's getting more and more wisdom. In fact, he he's such, has such a great testimony in public that people begin to get jealous of him. And in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, the Bible says that Daniel so distinguished himself above all the others. 
The other governors and administrators, they also called them satraps or satraps, uh, satraps uh, uh, were called administrators, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned, look at what it says, to put Daniel in charge of the entire kingdom. In other words, this guy distinguished himself. He was the cut above everybody else, above all the other administrators that were there, that the king said, uh, uh, I'm going I'm to put this guy in charge of everything. It's a po- at some point, he's just going to be in charge of the whole kingdom. And I'm just going to relax, and I'm going to look to Daniel to run everything. This is how great Daniel was, how wise he was, how much understanding he had. And he was promoted to this level. In fact, they had divided the kingdom in 120 provinces, and there were three governors or three guys that were in charge. And Daniel was one of them, but not only was he one of the three, but the king said that he wanted to promote him above everybody else. There was something about Daniel that his life that he had a great testimony the second thing about Daniel is his personal character made him stand out how many know that's a blessing his integrity he had wisdom and understanding he was a man of humility and generosity but he was also a man with great testimony Daniel chapter 6 verse 4 when the administrators in other words the satraps heard about this heard the news they tried to find a reason to undermine Daniel in his work and accuse him of misconduct but what they were unable to do so in other words they're trying to find something dirty They're trying to find something, a skeleton in the closet somehow. But they're unable to do. They could not find anything to say against him. Why? He was honest, reliable, hardworking, and incorruptible. He was never lazy or negligent in any task. How many want to hire a guy like that? I'm telling you, this guy had all of these qualities. And and the Bible says that they began to be jealous, the other administrators, because they seen the hand of God on him. They were probably jealous because of his faith, his Jewish faith. They were probably jealous because of his public stand in his face for God. And so they wanted to undermine him. They wanted, they, they were conspiring a plan to kind of get him, uh, get rid of him. Uh, Even though he might have been a good employee, everybody hated him. They were jealous of him. How many have ever been at a job, office politics? How many have ever seen that? There's always somebody trying to, you know, know, rub noses with the the boss and trying to, I was going to say something else, but anyway, trying to, you know, uh, rub shoulders, I guess, right? Uh, Do all of that. And and, and they're always conspiring and trying to find a way, trying to manipulate their way, putting you down to try to prove their loyalty. They're connivers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you haven't worked in the office, man, you'll learn. I, I've worked in the office many times, and I can tell you, there's always somebody trying to manipulate their way and, and trying to make you look bad. And there may even be someone in your job right now trying to get you fired. They're jealous because uh, the boss likes you. They're jealous because you got favor. They're jealous because everybody likes you, uh, but they, they, they hate that about you, and they want the, your position, and they're trying to find 
fault in your life. They're trying to find a way to get you fired. And that's exactly what's happening in Daniel's life. They were looking for something. They were looking for a skeleton in the closet. They were looking for some kind of hypocrisy because they knew his work ethic was good. But maybe they could find a way in his conduct, but they couldn't find anything like that. Isn't that a great testimony? They're looking for something, yet they couldn't find it. And his third thing was that he had a public commitment to God that made him stand out. This was was so unique about Daniel is that he was not ashamed again of his commitment to God, and he made it public. He was very open about it. He was very open about his faith in God. He was very open about prayer. In fact, he prayed many times in public. In fact, he led Nebuchadnezzar to God. He left several of the emperors to God. They turned to God. He was, his allegiance was without question. His allegiance to God was without question. They knew where he stood when it came about his faith. That's a good testimony. And I can tell you today, people are watching you at work. Especially the moment you begin to talk about you're a Christian, you better live up, live up to it. You better start living your testimony. This was, this was years ago. I remember I was working at, at, at this particular place there, and uh, I was very open about my faith. I was very open uh, about uh, church and everything else, uh, and I would share the gospel with everybody there. And I, I remember one time, it was the one and only time that I called in one time. I called in sick on a Monday. Now, how many know jobs don't like you to do that uh, over the weekend, right? I did it one time. One and only time I called in. But when I called in, I spoke to the receptionist, and she was the new receptionist. She'd only been working there two weeks. I didn't really know her too well. She didn't know me too well. She'd seen me in the office. And so uh, um, anyway, she, I called in that morning, and um, she, she, she went to my coworkers, and she made a statement. She said, um, uh, Omar was probably drinking and got drunk this weekend. She gossiped. She didn't really know who I was. And uh, uh, he, that probably, he probably partied too hard, huh? And uh, one, of, one of the guys told me what one of the guys, one of the other coworkers said. And she said, he said, Omar Lopez doesn't drink and party. He's a born-again Christian. So don't, don't say things that you don't know about. That's what, he, that's what he told that girl. And right away, that girl like, what? And he goes, yeah, he's a Christian. And I, I thought, wow, you know, you don't realize the impact that you're making. I said, you don't realize the impact that you're making when you take a stand for God. They're watching you. I said, they're watching uh, whether or not you're real or not. Now, if you're doing what everybody else is doing, well, what's the difference then? Your life isn't anything, else, anything different than they're doing. But yet, when you live a life, friend, when you live a testimony, there's something's going to happen. People are going to notice. And this is exactly what happened in Daniel's life. Only in Daniel's life, his coworkers got jealous of him. In Daniel's life, they came against him because of his faith. And in Daniel chapter 6, verse 5, it says, his coworkers concluded, our only chance of finding any grounds to get rid of Daniel will be to find something to accuse him in his religious practices. In other words, we're going to find something in his faith 
to get him in trouble. We're going to create something about his faith or against his faith that will get him in trouble because his life was spotless. They couldn't find anything. How many want leaders like that in America that could be spotless? Uh, that man that we could find, find people of character. Uh, today, you can't find anything right about them. Amen. Uh, and so we're looking for something, uh, 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 men and women of character to lead our country. And here, here is Daniel. And the Bible says the satraps, isn't that kind of unique that they call these administrators satraps because they're setting up a trap against Daniel? The officials wanted to Daniel removed from the office and they went to the king and they said, King Darius, live forever. And so they're buttering him up. They said, King Darius, live forever. We, we've, we've, we've convened every one of us. Of course, Daniel was not involved. And we've all agreed that for the next 30 days, everyone should pray to you, emperor. In other words, they're telling that they're buttering up the emperor. They're saying, you know what? For 30 days, we're going to have a decree. We want you to make a law that no one in the land for 30 days is going to pray to anybody else but you. King Darius, everyone is going to pray because they knew Daniel prayed to God. And so they said, man, we're going to find a way to get him. So they came to Darius and they buttered him up. Oh, great king. Darius is number one. His arms are number one. His legs are number one. His eyes are number one. Amen. His muscles are number one. They begin to tell him this. And Darius got all puffed up. And he said, yeah, this is great. Well, all right, all right. Let me sign the law without thinking about Daniel. He allowed himself, his ego. How many know your ego gets, you know, people start buttering how great you are and he signed the law and, and, and the Bible says that uh, we think that you should issue an, uh, uh, an edict saying or a law that everyone who disobeys your order by praying to even anyone else what will be tossed into the pit where your lions are kept. How many have ever heard of the story, Daniel and the lion's den? Well, this is it. Let's put this decree in writing so it, it, so it cannot be altered or repealed according to the laws of Medes and Persian. And that's exactly what King Darius did. So he made it in the law. Now, here's the thing that I want you to understand. When the king signed something in the law, it was irreversible. Even the king, even if he changed his mind, could not reverse it. So if the king later said, oh, man, I messed up. I shouldn't have done it. It's it. It's, it's law. When he signed it in the law, it was irreversible. He could not take it back. That's the way it was done. It could not be changed. It could not be revoked. It could not be repealed. It could not be rescinded. The king made the law. And so he's all happy. He's all excited. Everyone in the land is going to pray to me. Everyone is going to land. My muscles are number one. My eyes are number one. He passes the law. And here's the thing. These administrators got this law just to hurt one guy. Just to get to this one guy who has made a public confession of God. Now here's the test now that Daniel is going to have to go through. What's he going to do? How is he going to get around this? 
Is he going to be ashamed? Is he going to stop praying? So here's the few options that I begin to think about and say, well, what? He could have kind of faked a prayer to the king, right? Could have just kind of did a fake prayer. Like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be praying on the outside, but my heart's not really praying. I'm going to kind of fake it out a little bit. Second thing he could have probably did is he could have protested. He could have been out there protesting and picketing. Uh, I will not pray to the king. I will not pray to the king. He could have did that. But, of course, back in Persia, those laws don't get changed. It's not a democracy like America. Uh, you're off with your head back then, okay? And the third possibility is he could have privately appealed to the king and said, you know, cut me a break. You know who I am. Give me a little bit of slack. But we know, again, that the law could not be rescinded. The the fourth thing uh, is he could have stopped praying to God for 30 days. For some of you, that's probably not a big deal. But for Daniel, it was. Amen. For 30 days. No, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. I, I talk about the church down the street. But it could have been possible. It's possible that, you know, he could have said for 30 days, nobody will know that I'm praying uh, and all of that. Or number five, he could have just been praying to God in secret. Could have been an undercover Christian, right? You know what I mean? A secret agent Christian. It's like some of you, when you pray over your mail, rest, oh, God bless you. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jesus. Because you don't want nobody to hear you. Sometimes we won't, we're kind of afraid. We're ashamed to pray over our food at a restaurant or in public. Again, no one here, just a church down the street. We'll pray for them. The sixth one, he could have, basically the sixth one is he could have what he'd end up doing it's praying to God like he normally did. In other words, as was his custom. See, the convenient thing would have been just comply to the law. Don't get yourself in trouble. Don't, don't stand so much in public for God. Don't take it over. Man, you're overdoing it. This whole Jesus thing, you're overdoing the whole thing, man. Come on, just calm down. Just Don't pray for 30 days. It's not a big deal. But if you, because if you do... You're going to be thrown into a den of lions. See, God wants us to stand strong. Can you say amen? God wants us to stand strong for him. And I'll tell you what. Will you strength, stand, stand strong for God at the job site? Will you stand strong for God on your website? Will you stand strong for God at school, in your community, wherever you're at? Will you stand strong for God in public? Don't be a secret agent Christian. Don't be an undercover disciple. Daniel made up his mind. He said, I'm not going to cave in. Look at what it says. I love what it says here in verse number 10 of Daniel chapter 6. When Daniel learned that the new law had been signed, he knew. He knew at that moment. What did he do? He went home like he normally did. He knelt down to pray as usual in the upstairs room with his windows wide open toward Jerusalem. That's what he did every day. That's what people saw him do. That's what these administrators knew he would do. He did it three times a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He prayed three times a day. Prayer for breakfast, prayer for lunch. Prayer for dinner, crunch, 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 crunch. Right? That's what he was doing, right? He was doing it, man. He was going for it, man. He was praying in public 
three times a day toward Jerusalem. That's where he, that's where he came from. That's where the temple of God was. And, and so in other words, he didn't hide it. He went that three times a day. He kneeled there. He prayed, prayed in public. And so as soon as he heard the decree, he said, you know what? I'm not worried about this decree. I'm not worried about this law. I'm not going to hide. I'm going to go upstairs to my room with the windows wide open. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to close the Bible. Uh, he's not going to close the curtains. Uh, he's not going to lower the volume. He's not going to do a whisper prayer. He's going to pray out loud to God like he ought, because he is unashamed. I said, because he is unashamed. And he knew the price. He knew what would, ha- what would happen if he did this because the law said he would be thrown into a den of of lying. See, a lot of Christians are afraid to stand for God because they're afraid of the repercussion. They're afraid that the, of the consequences of what people are going to say about them. And see, here's what I believed about Daniel. The reason why Daniel stood his ground is because he had a good memory of what God had done in the past. See, again, I said it last week. We oh, Christians are the worst when it comes to spiritual amnesia. You forgot what God did for you last week and the week before last month. And so all of that is for God. Oh, my goodness, is God going to come through? And yet God saved you. He changed your life. He's restored you. He did all these miracles for you. In fact, you shouldn't even be here. You're a miracle in itself. And you forgot all about it. Somehow God let you down yesterday. And I can't believe this, man. Uh, man, my bumper got scratched. You know, all these different things. Uh, and, and you just can't, you, you, you lose it. You get upset. You get mad. And you don't realize all that he knew what God had done. He took a public stand for God. He said, God took care of me. He knew that God took care of him when he said, you know what? I'm not going to eat the king's food. He knew that. God took care of me then. Later on, uh, when they made a golden idol, I'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, uh, that, uh, you know, when they made this golden, he didn't bow down to it. God took care of him during that time. And so often uh, he understood that God would take care of him in the past. If God took care of him in the past, God will take care of him in the present. The other thing about him is he had a conversation with God, as I stated, three times a day. He had a prayer life. He was regularly praying and talking to God. What difference would it make in your life if you prayed to God a lot more than you do now? What difference it would help in your life if you had a conversation with God every day? How much would things change in your life? How bold would you become? How unashamed would you be? How less fearful and less intimidated would you be if you pray a lot more often than you do? The third thing I believe about Daniel is he knew the risk of what was going on, but he also knew the reward was greater than the risk. I said the reward is greater than the risk. It's important especially in the time that we live in. America is going to continue to change. Things are going to continue to change. There are going to be laws that you're not going to be able to abide by, even as Christians. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to obey God or am I going to obey man? Are you hearing me? We're we're in sort of that time right now. Are you listening to me? 
We're in that time right now where there are things right now that we're in a place where, you know, this is exactly what happened to Peter and Paul and all these guys where the Sanhedrin or Peter said, you know what, don't talk about Jesus. Don't preach in the name of Jesus. And he said, well, we're, we know, what is this? We'd rather obey God than man. See, this is what they call, listen to me, you may misinterpret what I'm going to say, but this is what they call passive civil disobedience. Now, don't take passive as the wrong word. There's actually a whole thing about passive resistance or nonviolent resistance. You've seen it with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. You've seen it in a lot of different places where they basically resisted. Now, when we say passive, it means nonviolent. How many know it takes courage to stand for God? So it's not passive and weak. We may look at the word as weak, but passive civil disobedience is saying, you know what? Our allegiance is to God first and everything else is second. I said our allegiance is to God first and everything else is second. The Bible says he opened up the windows. He prayed. He did not let fear control his life. He did not let fear intimidate him. He did not let fear come in and defeat what God was doing in his life. And how many people that I know today that are fearful that allow emotion, their mixed emotions to get a hold of them and intimidate him. But he stood for God. So write this down. When you stand for God publicly, God gives you victory over fear. See, every time you stand for God at work, in your community, with your friends, you are having victory over fear. Fear is just a feeling. It doesn't last forever. Let me say that again. Fear is just a feeling. It doesn't last forever. How many have ever been fearful? You get afraid of something. Maybe you're watching, but it doesn't last forever. You're not fearful the entire time. You got to feel like, whoa, you know, something got you fear. Uh, you, you drove and somebody ran the red light. How many times has that happened? And you go, whoa, man. Kind of, you know, got the fear on you, but it doesn't last forever. You're not the whole day, go, oh, whoa, hey, oh, whoa. That's, it lasts for a moment. May last for, you know, a few minutes, but it doesn't last forever. So fear, again, is the feeling that cannot last. That's what these, that's like depression and feelings, all these things uh, today. Your emotions, uh, they do not last forever. Just like happiness doesn't last forever. Your emotions are not meant to last forever unless you invite them back to the front door. Come on back, fear. Man, I'm not getting enough of you. Come on, let's hang out some more. Come on back, intimidation. Come on back, depression. You know what? You know, man, let's have some coffee today. And so unless you keep inviting it back, then you're going to rehearse the same emotion over and over. I I like what somebody wrote about fear. It says, fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. It appears real, but it really isn't. See, let me just say this about fear. Although it may be uncomfortable, it can't kill you. Are you with me? You may get fearful, but it's not going to kill you. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a knife. You, know, you, just, you're just, you got fearful, but it's not going to kill you. So a lot of us can experience fear, but it doesn't mean it's going to kill you unless you keep inviting it back into the front door. Fear can only be defeated if you move against it. 
you have to begin to move against fear. Are you with me? You got to move in the direction to say, no, I'm not going to respond in fear. I'm not going to let it intimidate me. But in the name of Jesus, I'm taking dominion over fear. Fear responds to action. Did you hear me? Fear responds to action. A lot of us this morning, we don't move against fear. We don't take any action against fear. And therefore, we continue to let fear back in the front door over and over. The Bible says in order for the, the, the river Jordan to open up, they had to step in the river while it was overflowing. You have to step forward. You have to take action. And so let me just say this. It takes a little bit of courage. Remember I talked about that last week? In order to move against fear, you got to take some courage. You got to get some courage. Now, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is taking action despite of fear. Say, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm a little afraid, but I'm going to do it anyway. How many remember when you first learned to drive a car? You're like, oh, I'm fearful, but I got to drive. I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, everybody else was scared to death with the car, but you just, you know, you, you did it. Now, I'll be honest, I, I taught some of my kids how to drive, and man, I was like, wow, hallelujah. My wife said I was the worst because I, I was looking at my phone at the same time. I should be paying attention. To, I'm being honest with you. Or I was on the phone because I was just so nervous with them, but I was trying to be cool. Yeah, just turn right right here. Yeah, just slow down a little bit. I'm, I'm like scared to death. I'm thinking, when is this going to be over? <laughs> I know, I'm confessing. All right. So courage is not the absence of fear, it's the ability to act in spite of fear. And so fear will grow when you give in to it. And so we have to we have to realize today Daniel had to move against fear, and the only way he could do that was he had to go and pray like he normally did. He had to go and pray and said, I'm going to do it. I know what may happen. I know they may throw me in the lion's den. I know the law has been changed or this law has been made. But I got to move in the direction that God called me to move in. And so he moves. Because see, when you stand for God, it'll begin to build your faith. It'll begin to build your character. I said it'll build your faith and build your character. You see, faith is like a muscle. It doesn't get bigger unless you put some stress on it. You, you got to begin to activate that faith. The third thing I, I believe is standing for God gives an opportunity for a miracle. How many believe that? Gives an opportunity for a miracle. The truth is most people have never seen an absolute true miracle of God because they've not moved in faith because they're afraid to rock the boat a little bit. You want to see the miracle of God, you got to begin to move. You got to begin to do something. You got to get a little bit courageous. I remember coming to pastor this church. I, I had to move against fear. It was intimidating. I, I remember things weren't going good. I remember many people left the church at one point. And man, it, it was down just a few families. But I just had to keep pressing in. I had to keep believing God. And praise God, God's moved ever since. I've had to make some big decisions in this church. Even getting this building and getting the building down the street, all these different things. Every move that I've ever made, every decision, I was fearful, but man, I couldn't let it, I couldn't let it control my, I had to move against fear. We have to move against fear, and the only way you're going to get victory over it is you got to stand for God and move against fear. It'll build your character. How many can say amen? And so the Bible says, the Bible says that when he did that, of course, they arrested him. 
And the scripture said in Daniel chapter 6, verse 19, that, or they threw him in a lion's den, and they throw Daniel in a lion's den. And of course, King Darius now, he's upset that he made this law. He didn't realize what they were doing, how he got manipulated. And so now he loved Daniel. He cared about Daniel. He didn't want anything to happen to Daniel. And here's the, the crazy thing. This guy, again, he's a pagan guy. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't have any fear of God. But yet he cares about Daniel because Daniel is a man of faith. He's a man of character. And he knows that he doesn't want to lose Daniel. So you know what that king does? He decides he's not going to eat. He's not going to have any entertainment. Man, this is somebody that's not even saved. He's not entertained. He doesn't, he doesn't want to sleep. He doesn't want any entertainment. He doesn't want to eat. He said, basically, I, 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 I can't sleep until I find out what happens to Daniel. And so the first morning, the morning, the first dawn, the first light of dawn, the Bible says he goes down to check on Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 19, at the light of the first dawn, the king got up and hurried to the pit filled with lions. And when he got there, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel's servant of the living God. Notice how he's acknowledging God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, even though he didn't serve him, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, my God, sent his angel. Amen. And he shut the mouth of the lion. And they've not hurt me at all. In other words, he's been petty. In fact, I slept with them, and they kept me warm. Because God knew I've done nothing against him or you, O king. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the pit. And then when Daniel was lifted out, there was not a single scratch on his body. Why? Because he trusted God. When you trust God, God will vindicate your life. Here's what I want to say to you. You can't be ashamed of your faith. And even when people come against you, when things are said about you, even in the society that we are in right now, we have to keep our allegiance to God. Don't give in to what everybody's saying. Don't give in to what everybody's saying on Facebook. Don't give in about, friend, you got to stand by the word of God. You got to be a Christian first. Can I, can, I be, can I just be honest? You got to be a Christian before you're a Democrat, before you're a Republican, and before you're a Libertarian. You got to be a Christian first. I see people, they're putting their race first. Wait a minute. It's not your race. It's your faith first, not your race. God, God made all the race. We all come from one race. But I see Christians today putting their race first, putting their political party first. Are you hearing me? We need to put God first. God's number one. Everything else is second. I don't care what laws they pass. I don't care what the popular thing is. I don't care what the latest TikTok is. I don't care what the latest actor has to say. They're, they're actors. Did you hear that? They're actors. They don't know anything about anything. They're rich. They don't care about you. They care about themselves. They care about their, what they want to do. And yet, we're listening to those people. We need to stop listening to these people and listen to God and what the Word of God says and stand in allegiance to God. 
Let's not compromise our principles. Let's not compromise our morals. Let's not compromise the truth. Let's not change the Bible because our society wants to change. Friend, I'm going to live for God. My allegiance is to Jesus. I said, my allegiance is to God. And God is looking for people like that. And when you stand for God, God will take care of you. God will honor you. God will raise you up. So I want, to, I want us to bar our head for just a moment. And I want us to pray as the musicians come in just a moment here. They can walk up. I'm going to pray over this service. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we just kind of close our eyes in reverence to you, as we honor you, God, as we bow our heads. Lord, help us to be like Daniel. Help us to be unashamed of the gospel, unashamed of our faith, even in public, even at work, in our community, among our friends and family. God, let us not give in to the pressures of society. Let us not even cave in to laws that may be passed that say it's okay to do this and it's okay to do that. No, God, we're going to stand by the word, even as Daniel did. And Lord, today... We're not going to flow with what the culture says is right just because they say it's right when we know it's wrong. We're not going to call right wrong. We're not going to call wrong right. Because God, your word declares what right is and what wrong is. So God, today we're going to stand for you. And our allegiance is going to be clear that you're first in our lives before anything else. Help us, Father, to have the courage, even as Daniel did. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit. And even as you're sitting out there right now, the sound of my voice, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I don't want you to leave here without receiving Christ in your life first. The greatest priority we have in this room today is to make sure that you know the Lord is your Savior, to give you an opportunity to receive Christ in your life today. And so if you've never given your heart to the Lord, if you've never surrendered your life to him today, Don't leave here without the Lord in your life right now. So whoever you are, maybe even listening online, whoever you are right now, say, yo, pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need to put God first. I need to give my allegiance to Jesus first. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, Christians, if you could just pray quietly there. Is there anyone in this room? We'd like to pray for you. You need to receive Jesus in your life right now. You want the Lord in your life. You want to invite him in your life. Would you raise your hand? We, we, want, we want to pray for you today. We don't want you to leave here the same way you walked in. Is there anyone here right now? You said, that's me, Pastor. I need the Lord in my life right now. I need Christ in my life. Maybe you were once walking with God. Maybe at one time you were serving the Lord, but you're away from God and you need to come back to the Lord. You need to return back to Jesus. Who are you right now? Raise your hand. Is there anyone here right now? Just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we all stand together for just a moment? And we're going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord. And, you know, as we do that, I I wonder how many here would say, you know what? I want to stand for God unashamed in public for God. I I believe God will bless you. Every place I ever worked at, I always made known where my faith was. And it wasn't always easy, guys. I'm not tooting my horn. But I can tell you that it made impact at every place that I worked. I made it very clear what my position was when it came to morals, where my faith was with God. 
And what I found was that people at first resist you, but as time goes by, they watch you and they realize it's real. They'll come up to you later on and say, hey man, can you pray for me? Hey man, can we, can we talk a little bit where, where everybody's not, not around? You'd be surprised. Everybody's laughing at you, but then later on, one of them come up to you and say, hey, listen, I need some prayer. I'm going through some things in my life. I need some help. Would you pray for me? Would you show me a scripture? Anything. You'd just be surprised what God will do. We can't be ashamed. Right now is time to stand for God. Right now. If there's ever been a time, it's right now. So as we sing to the Lord, I'm, I want to believe God for some Christians today that will stand for God. Say, man, I'm going to stand for God. That you make your way forward right now as we sing this song. Hallelujah. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.